This is a true story taken from my magazine I just published, Rotor. It had rained for days, nonstop, and the creek by my little cabin was starting to splash against the bridge, this sweet little bridge built by myself and Mama so that I could cross over to the big field where great-grandmother had planted corn decades ago. I was proud of that bridge. It was the first thing I'd ever built in my whole life, and Mama and me spent hours on it in the shade that summer, discussing deep subjects. The storm raged on. I jerked awake at around three in the morning when I heard something crashing outside my door. Pitch black skies hid the mess of mud and uprooted trees making their way towards my cabin. I grabbed a flashlight and opened my door. I was met with a startling revelation. The docile little creek had turned into roaring rapids. It had widened, the yard was an ocean, and my beloved bridge was gone. I was trapped by my doorstep. As I looked out towards the front gate, I saw something rocking my truck, and the water was up so high I realized everything I had was about to be sacrificed. In a panic, my first reaction was to grab a flashlight in between my teeth and jump off the deck into the water. I swam towards the truck, the waves pushing me back towards the cabin. I fought it so hard, afraid I would lose everything I had in one night. I swam against the current in the dark, grabbing hold of anything I could hang on to. Roots, a broken fence, things I couldn't identify in the black, raging water. Objects were beating my shoulders and face, but I knew I couldn't stop. I had stranded myself in the storm now, and any second of doubt at that point would have drowned me. So another shot of adrenaline drove me onward until I reached the gate. There was no way out that night. My phone was dead. I'd left my charger up at Mama's earlier that day. I was alone until morning. All I could do was try to remove logs and debris pushing against my car and threatening it towards what was now a fast-moving river. There was no way to drive it. I couldn't even start it. So I cleared away the mounds of damaged earth and jumped back into the water to swim back towards my cabin. The storm never stopped. I listened as giant railroad ties slammed against uprooted trees. They had rolled down with the river. The water lapped up on my deck, and I prayed harder than I ever had that night for my life and my home. I was exhausted, beat up by fallen trees and scared to death. It was then that I knew fear would break me if I didn't break it first. We fought that night like two old enemies, me and my fear. I had to learn faith and mental strength or I'd become helpless and completely debilitated. I got up, lit an old lantern, and imagined myself in a ship. There was no way I was gonna get through this without a little imagination. So I removed myself from reality just a little and made myself believe that things were normal. This was just the way of the sea, and my ship was sturdy against the weather like always. This helped my brain wrap itself around the idea that I'd have to hold on to this intense, invisible faith and trust for the rest of the night. 
So maybe it isn't such a bad idea to use our imaginations to keep ourselves from giving up under duress. I know from past experience that the deadliest thing in the world is to give up when things get difficult. And on this night, I'd found myself in a situation where I just had to wait things out. And waiting without the ability to do much about my situation was brutal. That is always the best time for the power of imagination. You're listening to Natural and Wild with Christine Grayson. I'm a storyteller, a metalhead, a dark hippie, and a lover. And today my love is on fire. This episode is about fire and water. The earth moved last Sunday. The Blue Ridge Mountain Range in North Carolina experienced a pretty decent earthquake of 5.1, the strongest that it's seen since 1926, which was a 5.2. That one crumbled a few chimneys and it loosened some foundations, but nothing like, you know, what California's experienced before. We have several fault lines running through North Carolina, namely the Bigger Brevard Fault Line and one in Linville Falls. So what makes an earthquake active again? Because these here are ancient. They haven't been active in a long, long time. Well, the Earth's crust is like a thin skin. The mantle's right under it, right? Well, the crust is made up of a lot of pieces, like a puzzle full of tectonic plates, and these plates are constantly moving. They slip past each other, and this is because of the heat that the core of the earth is releasing. The heat, that energy, it's strong, and as Middle Earth breathes it out, it moves those plates. Normally, these plates are able to go on their merry little way and slowly and subtly move with and past each other, but once in a while, they'll slip on a fault line and two of them will get stuck on each other. The Earth's core doesn't stop releasing heat. She doesn't say, oh, you guys are stuck. I'll just wait. I'll pause until you find a way to unlatch. So while these two tectonic plates are stuck at this boundary, the heat is still pushing at them, and they're building up even more energy. So when they finally push past and release, that heat energy that's built up in there is released in a burst. And this causes the wave that we feel as a shaking of the ground. And when you feel it, it's unsettling. I felt my first one last Sunday. And it made me realize how small I was on this planet. How I was utterly helpless in a situation like that. You know, for earthquakes are the hardest natural disaster to protect yourself from. Fortunately, this wasn't a disaster. It just shook me up a little bit. Made me remember that I'm not in control. It was funny because I was watching a fire the night before. My mother and I had a fire going in one of those old... 55-gallon barrels. We were burning boxes. It was a beautiful, peaceful time. Dusk, right before the stars come out and the sky was this dark blue shade. And I always feel hypnotized in front of a fire. 
And as I was drawn in by that fire and the movement that it was making, I felt my body take in the heat from the ground up through my feet and all the way up to my heart. I felt it. And I started thinking of all that heat from the earth and all its energy and the anger that was misplaced in different areas of the world right now and the subtle but not so subtle anymore movement that was happening everywhere as we're shifting into another new way of living. The correlation I was getting from that fire, well, it played itself out the next morning. Fire's a strong hypnotist. It's a strong, strong speaker. It reminded me that night that nothing stays still, and especially not at this moment in time. And all we can do is move with the flow of that fire energy, that heat that's forcibly shifting every one of us into another place in our lives. People never generally take risks or make significant changes if they're too comfortable and never forced to do so. We're suddenly being forced to do so. And nature is bigger than us. And that means nature, something greater than we are, needs for us to make big changes and do something different. And it's easy to be afraid of these things, the heat and the earth rumbling and reminding that our plans and our futures might have to change. The fire that courses through everybody's emotions and minds during a time of chaos. It was easy for me to be afraid that night of the flood, afraid of losing everything that I had, and having to face the reality that we're not in absolute control and we can never get too comfortable. But amazing performances and accomplishments from people can come out of being forced to adapt to change amazing realizations and inner knowledge. These big, scary things make us rethink and reevaluate where we're at and who we are and what we can do. It really separates human beings into those who either lose their cool and totally decline, and then those who learn to shine and focus on new things and end up being new role models in a new world. We grow through the constant movement of fire and water. A warm atmosphere holds more water. You can see it plain as day when you turn off the water after a hot shower. You can see the vapor hanging everywhere around in the room and in the air. Climate change and warmer atmospheres are adding to the, the already complex reasons behind why flash floods and water-drenched weather is hitting more inland areas so hard this year. Not the only reason, of course, but it's added to the problem. A warm atmosphere holding more water is going to cause more rainfall. And as the planet warms up, we're going to get a seasonal creep which means the spring and the summer seasons are going to slowly start to creep in sooner, and the winters should eventually get shorter and less intense. But that's all going to take a while. It's a slow, slow progression. We'll probably all be long gone before we lose the majority of our winters. But our future families and those generations will be here. The last time we had so much 
earthquake and flooding activity here together in the eastern United States was back in 1916 and several up through the 1920s, just before the Great Depression. And those floods were so intense that they just wiped out a lot of our farming communities here, which actually led to a lot of bootlegging during Prohibition. What else are you going to do to keep your land and keep your family fed in those kinds of social situations? Crime is born out of desperation and need. It doesn't happen because we're all such evil villains. Unless you're talking about some mentally deranged serial killers or something. And that's not the norm. I've had a lot of opportunity to uh, learn how to read the weather and extract lessons and messages from intense storms and elements like fire and changes in nature patterns since I've been living here in the wild. It's made me more adaptable to surprises and learning to accept forced changes. By the time this pandemic hit and, and certain groups of people started slipping into chaos situations, I was more able to deal with it emotionally, physically. Doesn't mean I like what's going on or that I'm okay with it. Just means I can handle it. We run in cycles. The history of people and societies and weather the way the earth spins and changes, it all moves in circles and cycles, and eventually it makes its way back to the beginning and starts all over again. I know a woman who built a business 11 years ago. It was her whole life and her whole mood. She built this community of people who became very connected to one another spiritually, emotionally, and this was her life. This was her business for 11 years. She's a young woman, and she never thought that that cycle would end. And she was just forced to close down her doors during this pandemic, which put her and the people who worked for her out of a job and took them away from each other and broke everybody's financial security. And it was really hard for her to wrap her head around that and move on to a new state of life. But she left this business and this station of her life in a way that was very inspiring. Instead of focusing on the loss and complaining about losing everything that she had built, she talked about how she understood that this was just the end of another cycle, that instead of hurting for her loss, she could begin to get excited for whatever was in her future for those invisible things that were about to become her new life. And I think that's a very admirable way of looking at it, of looking at a, a situation that looks dreary and depressing and turning that around into something that can lift you and keep you moving forward despite heavy circumstances. I was very impressed with her, and because of that, whatever she might do in the future, I'm supporting it because that's inspirational to me. The planet is in a cycle, and since we're a part of it, we're in a cycle too. Ours is a response to what's going on with these planetary cycles and the purges of this life and death system. 
the growing intensity of storms in the east and fires ripping through the west, fire and water dancing together in this powerful, complex marriage that's forcing everything around it to change. We're not used to everything yet. This much abrupt, profound change has never happened in our lifetime, but it's happened before in history, and now it's time again. Cycles. Sitting back and watching that bonfire that my mother and I built, focusing on those flames and letting myself get hypnotized into that deeper headspace, it teaches me how to dance through the heat, through the intensity of what's going on. Those flames turn into a body. Fire becomes its own entity, slipping and moving and stretching its arms up into the dark smoke above it lighting up the faces of people who get lost in her dance. If the world's going to heat everybody up, if that fire dance is going to tear a path towards something new, there's nothing more to do but walk in its wake and discover and be curious and move with her. If the waters decide to keep raining down and washing away all the towers that we've erected, there's nothing to do but wait until she's passed through and make it time to do something else. Fire and water, two sisters moving the whole world right now. Some of the most powerful sources of energy there are on this planet. Nothing to do but wait and imagine and take the time to engage in some self-introspection. I've been all over the place lately in my mind. My thoughts and my feelings are a reflection of so many things going on right now. Our lives have changed, the, the earth has changed, and it's terrible and it's incredible at the same time. I feel more in tune and connected in the flow of humanity and nature than I've ever felt before, and I should feel separated and distant. But I know that we're all finally at the same time in the same place, in this weird nomadic state of mind, and none of us know what's going to happen or how it's going to happen, and that makes me feel connected to you. It keeps me feeling grateful every morning that I can get up, walk outside, and see the earth being still and not trembling under my feet. And knowing that all of us are under the same sun and moon and going through the same thing together, everywhere, all over the planet. It's the most intense connection I've ever had. This has been Natural and Wild with Christine Grayson. I want to take a moment and thank the biggest supporters of this show, Yvonne Ragland, Robin Umber, Arnold Bloom, Bruce Presson, Chris Nolan, and Sheila McGregor. Thank you all so much. I want to thank my friends who have hit up the tip jar this week. I appreciate you and feel every bit of your love. And I'm thinking of you all every week. Everybody have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you again next Friday. <laughs>